What's up, everybody? My name is Lamont, and welcome back to the God is My Source podcast. We bridge the gap between God, money, business, family. Well, I got to change it because somebody got on me. You feel me? They said I need to be talking about health more. So I'm going, I'm going God, money, health, family, and relationships. That's what we bridging the gap between. We just educating the culture, teaching people how to put God first. If God be for us, who can be against us? We got to miss Kim Brown from D.C. on the line today. She's about to educate us on about a lot. She's been through a lot of different things, powerful testimony. She run Wells Fargo. Don't let her fool y'all, but she hold it down. Appreciate her for coming on here today. We're going to open up with a word of prayer, and then we're going to get right into it. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this day. We praise you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We just Thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your opportunity to just call on your name. We thank you for letting us be able to connect people to you, Father God. We thank you for letting us be able to stand in the gap for those that don't know you and for those that need to be more educated about you. We thank you for that. We thank you for allowing us to be your examples for what you can do, Father God. We thank you for everything you've done, everything you will do. We ask you to speak to us tonight so that we can be able to Grab ears and keep people consistent and stayed on you, Father God. For your word says that if we keep our minds stayed on you, we'll keep us in perfect peace. You told us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things will be added unto us. Therefore, we shall not worry about what we should eat, what we shall drink, where we shall sleep, what we shall drive, where we shall work, because you are our source. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray this on the Shelby. Amen. 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 Got Miss Kimberly Brown on the line, the boss, aka the head lady in charge. Let's talk to him right quick, Miss Kim. Who who is Kimberly Brown? What's your matter of fact? How are you doing today? She got the Gucci hat on, y'all. Look at her. I'm doing Lamar. I'm doing. I'm doing excellent. I'm glad to be here, and I love. I love what you're doing with your platform. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I met uh, Miss Brown. I met her when I first started. Uh, actually, I wasn't even working at Wells Fargo yet. That's right. And I was a I was a college student, and I was going to a leadership institute, a leadership conference. They bring us to a leadership conference every year. The top students at the HBCU, so they can teach us how to basically become men and women. You feel what I'm saying? They was teaching us leadership qualities, doing personal development workshops and people from top companies, top Fortune 500 companies, they would come and teach us how to maneuver through the workspace. They would interview us. They would give us opportunities to get jobs. They would recruit us. We had a gala. It was it was amazing. It was called the Thurgood Marshall Leadership Institute. So if you're in college and you go to an HB, a public HBCU, make sure you reach out to Thurgood Marshall College Fund because you need to be there. That's going to prepare you. That's going to get you where you need to go. And it's going to help you get that, that job that you're looking for. They having now six-figure jobs. They having now research projects, all type of things. But I met Miss Brown there. She took me under her wing, helped me get up in Wells Fargo, her and a few other people. And we just been hitting the ground running ever since. She's been helping me do a lot of every a lot of things. So we just want to just thank her, give her flowers while she's here. But What's your testimony, Miss Kim? I know I know a lot about you, but the people don't know. 
Uh, right. All right, Lamont. So first of all, let me introduce you guys to Kimberly. Um, Kimberly was a young, innocent little black girl born and raised early part of my years in Philadelphia. I actually was born in Philadelphia and I don't think you knew that part, but I was born in Philadelphia. And at the age of 12, I moved to DC with my aunt. I wanted to get out of Philly because Philly was a rough place back then in the 60s and 70s, early 70s, Philly was a rough spot. And so a lot of my early childhood, I was in Philly, went to DC and have been in DC ever since until I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and in DC, I was in the mayor's program, which was Mayor Marion Berry's first, first thing he did for the black youth was to get a summer job program. And I was in that first year of the summer job program. So my, a lot of my school years were right there in Washington, DC. So I decided to, you know, live there until I was grown and wanted to get out of the inner city and all the hustle and bustle because we had a hard time in, in, in DC. You know, it was a lot of drugs, a lot of violence, you know, it was just a lot of killing and everything. And I knew that eventually I didn't want to raise a family there. So I put everything in my car, a TV, my clothes, and um, told my uncle, hey, I need a place to stay. He said, well, you can't stay here long. Um, I give you six months. So I rolled up in his house with um, just a vehicle to go search for jobs. And I had a TV in my room. In three months, I was out of my, on my own in an apartment. And at that time, it was First Union. I went through a, a temp agency in 1997. In I went through a temp agency, went to work for First Union. And I've been there ever since. I've been there 24 years and five months now. And mm -hmm. so... Uh, that's my only job that I've had since I've been in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now I'm raising a family here. And so that's who Kimberly is. Um, Kimberly started out very humble. Kimberly didn't go to college, even though she was very supportive of teenagers like you at the time and young adults going to uh, HBCUs and getting your education. I wanted you guys to see, and they allowed me at Wells Fargo at when I first started was Wachovia into this program, they allowed me to um, talk to you guys and help you guys and mentor you guys um, so you could see the progress and how long it takes when you don't go to college, mm. when you don't do the things where you can go to the table and demand your salary. So I wanted you all to learn that hard lesson. I didn't have individuals. My grandmother wasn't, she wasn't um, in, a, in, 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 in a place where she could really, really instill a lot of those things in me. Um, she did work for a scholarship fund at, within our church and one of the major black churches here in the United States. And um, so I wanted to make sure that every young black male or female that came across my journey that I would help them reach the next level. Mm. That's who Kim is. I'm here to help because I learned and I grabbed the coattails of other individuals and they allowed me to learn from them and help me. So I'm just paying it forward to all of, all of the ones behind me, so.
Amen. And she and she does that well. She done helped me, and I call her up like, "Hey, well, Miss Brown, go go give her up like that." But I'm like, Miss Brown, uh, I need some help trying to uh figure out what to do for this position. Should I apply for this position? What do I need to do? She she you know helped me do everything. I remember when I uh was first starting off at Wells Fargo, I told her I wanted to get into the wealth management program she was like well i don't know nobody in wealth management but i work on the stock trader flow she was like so i can just get you involved with the people who who do more than wealth management but if you want to do wealth management i can probably get you in that door too so she had me come to charlotte north carolina i was living in florida at the time and she had me come to charlotte north carolina and i'm on the floor with some of the top traders in america that's right. Like, we're not talking about like they some of the top traders in America. So what they did in their office is a lot of people don't. We're just going to give them a background story because okay. a lot of people don't know how America works. So America traditionally is ran by a lot of different hedge funds, investment funds, private equity funds, different things like that, pension funds. So what these funds do is they collect money from different places. So you might work for the fire department of Detroit. So the fire department of Detroit has a retirement program. So whether you contribute or you don't contribute, they have to grow this money so that make sure that everybody that comes up under the umbrella is covered when they retire. This goes for 401k programs, everybody. So what they, so these companies, what they do is they are trained to take the money and grow it. So she introduced me to some of the top traders in the United States, what they do is some of them, they trade bonds. Some people trade equities. Some people are in venture capital. And what they do is, is they just make the best plays. They, they, they're right. smart economists. And she sat me down with these people. And these black men sat with me for a whole, what was that, three days? Yeah. They sat with me for three days, gave me the ropes, let me know everything that was going on, telling me what, what I could do, what I couldn't do what I should do, what I shouldn't do. They even was giving me personal investment advice, telling me that if I want to go into this arena, just know that I can't trade and make moves on my own. I would have never knew that. Because since they work so closely with companies, major companies, and they know everything that's going on. So they telling me like, yeah, you want to get in here, but just make sure you know the ins and outs. So that just gives somebody else some advice. Just let them know how America works because people just think that people just rich for no reason or they think that money growing trees, literally. Right. People are rich because they add value. And so these men, they add value by being able to understand where the market is going. They understand where jobs are going. They understand where technology is going. And what they do is just They make sure that the money is in the right place. It's invested in the right place so that when you retire, that's right. You don't lose. Right. And Lamont, you got to you got to understand a lot of people don't have access to a lot of the information and or the people that you met along your journey. Mm -hmm. That's why God put me in your life, because you needed that information um, and that's why I do what I do because ordinarily young black 
African American, we wouldn't ordinarily have these chances. So why wouldn't I do that? I'm in that position. I'm in that position and have exposure. So I'm supposed to help someone else. I'm not supposed to keep, and you're not, when you're blessed, you're not supposed to keep those blessings to yourself. Those blessings are to be dispersed. You are to help other people. And so with that being said, that was my mindset when I started developing these relationships. When I first started on the trading floor, we were back in the old Wells, uh, one Wells Fargo, and there weren't many black people on the trading floor. And mm. I was the only black female on the trading floor as an, as an administrative assistant. I wasn't even an executive assistant at that time. I was just coming in learning and what's, what's crazy about it. And this is the power, this is where you know you're blessed and this is where the power of God steps in. Mm. When I took that job, originally when I first went to well, Wachovia, First Union, they sent me out to what they call CIC and it's a big campus. And they had me working for a lady named Tammy. I can't remember her last name, but they had me working for her and it was in credit card services. But it wasn't for me because this lady was rude. <laughs> she, she was not polite at all. And I don't know whether it was because of the power and the position she was in. I don't know if she was just having a bad day. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, but I knew that that wasn't for me. And I went back to my young lady back at the tip agency and I said this job isn't for me you got to get me somewhere else or else I'm not gonna I'm not gonna work I'm a fail you know this is a failure and she said okay sit me downtown and I've been downtown ever since but when I started on that trading floor they sent me on that trading floor to be in a to be um actually they sent me to be a temp and the young lady that was training me in three in like less than three days she was gone like she trained me and literally we went out for drinks after work and I ain't see her since. So I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a clue what the trading language was about. I didn't know when you had traders on the floor and the phones are ringing and they're doing like this, that mean call back. And I didn't know what the signals were when they doing this. I had no clue. I had to find that out. And I was actually what they always say, like the angry black woman. Like I had a, a, a seasoned white man across the floor yelling at me, telling me what to do. And I'm like, you yelling me one more time and it ain't gonna be, it ain't gonna be pretty. This is you straight from DC. Yeah, I'm from DC. So I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, you know? Nobody had to be like, yo, this is the language. So one of the young little analysts came and said, well, this is what we do. And I literally stayed with that boss almost, I was almost with him eight years. Like, because I knew that I was supposed to be there and I had a purpose. And I really, and I, and I honestly hope that every individual that I come in contact with feel the way I feel because there was not a day that I, when I was in the old Wachovia and First Union, there was not a day that I said, I don't want to go to work. I didn't like to go to work. I liked my job. It wasn't even a job. It was not even a question. But that's when you know you're fulfilling your purpose. That's when you know God is in it. Because if God wasn't in it, a lot of things that happened and transpired to him throughout my day as a 
young, black, female, without a degree, I wouldn't have made it. Mm. I wouldn't have made it. But when you look back over, and we'll get into it more as we talk, but when you look back over the timeline, even when I was a temp and they wanted to offer me the full-time position, they wanted to, they wanted to give me less than $30,000. Mm. Who can live off of $30,000? Mm. And I was like, no, sir. And he, and, and, and that manager came to me and said to me, well, Kim, you don't have a degree. Most young ladies over here have a BA degree. And I said, I have 10 years experience and it equals a, I don't know why I said that. I didn't know whether it was the truth or not. I was just like, hey, I've been doing this for 10 years. That equals their degree. I'm literally learning on the job. What they learned in school has nothing to do with this job. So they had to give me what I asked for. But I put in the work. I proved that I was worthy of that pay. So they had to pay me. Also, too, you grew up in the time frame where I mean, it mattered if you went to school, but it wasn't like a game changing decision. So yeah. how was that transition? Like with people that was already working, cause it's like, this is what we be seeing on TV. People that they've been working for 13 years and then somebody come in with a degree and they ahead of them or they running them. How was that process? Cause this is, this was something new, like in the, like the early 2000s, right? So with me, and I think you know that, and I'm going to introduce that person to other people tonight. With me, there was no failure, number one. And that right there was a motivation for me to do what I had to do to get where they were. I was not going to allow anybody to come in, and I've been here five years, and you come in with a little piece of paper, and you get paid $10,000 more than me. That was not going to work. I've always been that hustler. I'm from that environment. I'm from... DC. So that hustler mentality that I got to go get it, it's just been in me. So for me to see a young white female, and it's not, it, and I, I shouldn't, I should say to see a young female come in and they're seven, eight, 10 years my junior, and they're making more than me, that didn't sit well with me. So I had to use my ears and my eyes and I had to listen. I had to listen to the language that's being spoken around me. I had to listen and, and look on those papers that's on the desk and kind of figure things out so that when they're at the table talking this stuff, I know what they're talking about. So guess who becomes valuable? Guess who added mm -hmm. value to themselves was me. So if somebody needed to go to the meeting, they could send me because I knew what it was all about. Mm -hmm. I didn't sit there and be an administrative assistant and do time cards and do traveling expenses. I learned the business. And you so, had to get the ground running because you, you was three days running. in. You was yep. three days in supporting everybody on, and the trading floor get real. Right. And so I had a group I had when I started out on the trading floor, I had a group of maybe 17 people. When I left one Wells Fargo and moved over to the new building and we started turning over to Wells Fargo, I had 28 traders. Mm. That was unheard of. You supported 28 traders? I supported 28 traders and that was totally unheard of. And everybody who came in was like, how do you do it? How do you do it? That's nobody but God. You can't juggle 28 traders. That's 28 different personalities. That's 
at least four different sides of the business along with their families because they don't have time for families. So you have to deal with wives. You have to deal with children. You have to deal with their personal trip. This is all that came with that. So not only did I gain the confidence of my 28 traders, you had an individual who was over, over trading. And then you had a, you had an individual that was over the um, our, uh, residential back securities and you had all of this going on, but they knew I knew my stuff. So then they, they started coming to me. So now I'm technically supporting half of the trading floor because they didn't have- They rock with you. Exactly. But again, being an executive assistant and an assistant, it's more than going into that office, sitting at that desk and shuffling paper and, and doing time cards and, and doing travel and all. You have to be involved. You got to have knowledge. You got to have understanding. And you also got to learn how to deal with people because they're your customers. Just like a customer comes into a bank branch, those traders are my customers. So I have to do whatever it takes so they can make this money for this bank. Mm. So this is what I've taught every assistant that came in under me that I managed or whatever. It's more to it. You just cannot pick up your keys at the end of the day and say you're done for the day. So then I said, okay, well, I had people doing international trips. So then I said, okay, Kim, um, this may be another little gym that you need to pick up. So then I learned how to do a lot of um uh, currency and i learned how to do a lot of travel and i learned how to talk to a lot of people overseas in asia and and and, and all of that i had to wind up doing that so then it became okay kim is the international guru so when everybody <laughs> went international not only did i have to do my guys i had to do the people who were traveling with them because <laughs> I don't believe in half-stepping. I believe in taking that gem and taking it and shining it like a diamond. If it's going to be mine, it's going to be mine. And I try to teach every individual I come into, if you're going to do something, own it. Own it. Because if you don't, you don't get anywhere. You're just average. And being Black, you can't just be average. You can't just be, and that's anywhere. That's not just in Wells Fargo. That's not just who I work for. That's anywhere. You cannot just be average and think that you're going to be successful the way you want to be successful. Amen to that. Your gift will make room for you. Amen. She just, she showed us like, this was the Joseph effect. So like a lot of people, they understand the Bible where you don't know about Joseph. We give you a little background story on Joseph. So Joseph was Jacob's son. Jacob had 12 children. So Joseph was the second before youngest. And he was the child of Jacob's favorite wife. Mm -hmm. And when he was the wife of his favorite wife, he was the child of his favorite wife. The other kids didn't like it because Jacob showed favor. That was, this was his favorite son. This was his first son by his favorite wife. Everybody else got different mamas. So you talking about baby mama drama, this is a whole nother level of baby mama drama. <laughs> right. So now he buys him this coat with all these colors in it. You feel me? He buy him the coat with all the colors in it. Now he's a dreamer. He prophetic at this. How, how you, you gonna be the favorite son and you a dreamer. So he has a dream where he says that in the dream, he's ruling over his brothers. So they get mad. They like, you ruling over us. What you mean you ruling over us? 
So now everybody gets mad, a lot of different stuff. And then one day they had to go work in the field, but Joseph didn't have to go work in the field. So he's going to tell his brother something because his father said, go tell your brother something. So when he goes to the field to tell his brothers what his father told them, they're mad already because they like, oh, he think he better than us. Oh, he think because he the favorite son, this, that, and the third. They like, let's kill him. Reuben say, no, nah, we're not going to kill him. We'll just rough him up, beat on him a little bit. We're going to beat on him. We're going to put him in the pit. <laughs> they beat on him, put him in the pit. Right. So when he in the pit, they take his coat and they act like he died, told their father he died. They put him in the pit. The Egyptians came. They seen him in the pit. They took him with them, took him to Egypt with them. They let, it, they let their brother go to Egypt. They ain't know where he was. They just left him for dead. But once he get to Egypt, he end up in the richest man's house in Egypt as the servant or the slave. I ain't gonna say it's kind of like your situation, but it's kind of my situation. You ended up in the in the you ended up in the the administrative assistant role. So now, but you supporting the the person that's not in charge, but the person who who has abundance here. He right. love him. It's one of his favorite workers. He let him do everything. But his wife found Joseph attractive. Shit, so now she want to get on. She like, <laughs> her husband, oh, you feel me? She trying to get on. He like, nah, I'm good. You my master wife. I'm, I'm cool. You my master wife. He, she keep pushing up on him. Keep pushing up on him. One day, she snatches coat off, and he, she trying to go at him. He run away. She <laughs> take the coat and said he raped her. So now, you already know what time it is. They throw him in jail. But when he get in jail, God makes him the head person. I ain't going to, he the H-N-I-C in the jail. That's right. Head person in charge in the jail running it. So Pharaoh has some people come down to the jail, lost their job. They talking to Joseph. They have some dreams. He tell them what the dreams mean. Tell one dude he going to get dismissed. The other dude going to get his job back. And all this stuff ends up happening. He's a dreamer. He's prophetic. But when he see said, when you get back up to Pharaoh, just let him know what's up with me. Like, let him know I got a gift. So I got skills, too. Like, I'm down here for no reason. I just told y'all my story. I didn't rape the lady. She said I raped her. I kept my integrity. I came down here. I'm running everything. Y'all see what God doing for me? I just showed you what God showed me to tell you. So tell Pharaoh about me. He right. get up there. He don't tell Pharaoh nothing. Five years go past. Pharaoh has a dream. He has a dream that, let me cut this off now. But he has a dream that he sees seven cows that's skinny, seven cows that's fat. Skinny cows eat the, eat the fat cows. Now he calling the sorcerers, he calling the people who read the palms, the people who read the, uh, the tarot cards. He calling everybody like, what this dream mean? I need to know what this mean because I keep having this dream. Right. Dude say, well, I know I met a dude that told me about my dream and it happened. They like, he like, go get him. He go get Joseph. Joseph tell him what the dream mean. God, well, God tell Joseph to tell him what the dream mean. So now God done put him through all this stuff just to get him prepared to send in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh at this time ran the world. You feel me? He ran the world. He tell him, God tell him to tell Pharaoh, this means that since y'all disobeyed me, y'all going to go through seven years of harvest and seven years of famine. Mm. 
So he tell him what that mean. He was like, all right, well, since you didn't, you done did the dream, we I'm putting you, you, you head of everything. You prime minister. I need you to run it. You, you, God told you this, then your God need to tell you how to run my country. Right. So Joseph got his skills. He done been through the pit. He went through the jail, went through slavery. He, he was the man. Cause you got to remember Jacob was the chosen one. Right. Jacob is the child Jacob is Isaac's son. Isaac is Abraham's son. You feel me? So they got the blessing. And the blessing make you rich and no sorrow. So he like, I don't even know why I'm here. Right. But he running everything. So he probably been trained for this, everything. Right. He ends up taking 20, what was it, 20% or 25%? I'm just gonna say 25% because I don't know the exact numbers, but he took about 25% of the harvest and kept it for seven years. He kept the plunder for seven years. So now when the seven years of famine come, it ain't just seven years of famine in Egypt. It's seven years of famine in the whole world. So guess what's happening now? Guess who Guess who they got to come to to get, get the food? Right. They got to come to Egypt. So now he making hand, he making money hand over fist right. after he just got to jail. Right. Everybody who think they, they purpose is done because they, they think they getting old. He didn't do this till he was 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So he 30 years old. Now he run an entire country. Pharaoh said, personally, he said, the only person that tell you what to do is me. Everybody else answer to you. And he Hebrew. They didn't rock with the Hebrews. That was like a black person walking into, I walk into the White House before Obama and they tell me, that's like, I'm like, what, what's, her, what's her name? Condoleezza Rice? Yeah, Condoleezza Rice. Sort of like the Condoleezza Rice effect. Condoleezza Rice coming to the White House. They wait. This is that's a nigga. You right. feel me? Like he, but I, I, I mean, that's a whole nother story. We ain't gonna get into that today. But he was the person in charge, and he was Hebrew, and they were Egyptian. And this don't happen. So right. now you can just imagine the jealousy going on. Then his brothers end up coming there to get food. This mm-hmm. how God works. Brothers end up coming there to get food. He the person in charge. They don't even notice their brother. They thought they love him for dead, and he running things. Right. So this show you anything can happen. And 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 that's true. And it's funny that you related our similarities together because of, and it's funny because I remember looking, I remember in my early career on the trading floor back to when I first started, how I was the only black female, but I didn't have everything that all the other administrators mm-hmm. had. And I didn't get paid like them either. And I knew that. But that was my motivation. But at the same time, as years went by, the other ladies, they could not understand my relationship with my traders. Mm. And even the head man in charge would let people know, ask him, ask him, Kim Mm. knows. Or my traders wouldn't do anything until they ask him. But the other ladies didn't have that respect on their of their groups. Like their groups told them, this is what I want done. But my group said, Kim, is it okay for us to do it? Mm. So they didn't like that. They didn't like that relationship. So I remember trying to get a promotion and was saying, well, we don't have money. We can give you 1.2% this cycle, or we can give you 3% that cycle, or 
uh, the job came open to support head of trading, but then it was like, uh, we really kind of got somebody in mind for that. And I'm like, so you want, you want to bring them in and you want me to, you want me to train them? <laughs> That's not going to work. That don't work too well. You want me to train somebody to do what I already know how to do? That doesn't make sense. And I never thought about suing. I never thought about, well, the black, white thing. I never thought that. I was like, you know what, Kim, you have a purpose. This is what God has you to do. Be patient. It's going to work in your favor. If you would have moved you up to the head person in charge, I would have never met you. Right. And so <laughs> exactly because I wouldn't have been able to travel. I wouldn't have been able to go to D.C. and spend that week with y'all in D.C. And, and networking and talking to the females and telling them how to dress. I remember I came in there purposely. And I think you might remember the first year I met you, I had purple hair. Mm -hmm. And I came in there on purpose with purple hair because I wanted them to see that's what you don't do when you're trying to go into the corporate world. I earned that spot with that purple hair. I was there. I diligently proved my work ethic. So no one said anything to me about it. But if I hadn't approved myself and I hadn't had the stability I had and the endurance, I wouldn't have been able to walk on that trading floor with the red hair. And it's funny or the purple hair, because it's funny. I'll never forget John Weiss, and, and I, love, I, I love him to this day. He was over trading, and he was from New York. And he would come in, and he would walk down the middle aisle, and he'll see me at the end and be like, hey, Kim. But I had all this crazy hair. And I went, I went back natural. Stopped doing the colors. Everybody, all the guys was like, oh, you're boring now. You're boring. They look for it. And John Weiss comes on the floor one day and I speak to him and he spoke kind of funny. And I said, you don't recognize me. He's like, what happened to your hair? Now he's head of trading. But that goes to show you that if it's for you, it's for you. It's nothing anybody could do. You can't tell nobody, well, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Because if it's for you, God's going to make sure that you get it, regardless of whether it takes one month, one year, 10 years. And mm -hmm. I'll never forget when I left the trading floor, the manager I work for now, I had been on that trading floor with her for, for 15 years. And she was like, I need an EA and I need you to find me an EA. And then two seconds later, she was like, unless you want to come with me. And I was like, hey, well, what are we doing? She said, come see me. Walked in her office. We talked, everything. She said, what is it going to take? I told her. I got back home. HR called me and said, well, this is the thing. This is what we're going to offer you. And it was way more than what I had put on the table. So that wasn't nothing I did. That was God. That was me paying my dues all those years and doing the things that I need to do to get to that point. And I think I remember telling you, I was like, yo, I'm going to make it across them six figures. I told you that eight years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make it across the six figures. I'm going to do it. And I'll never forget the first person I text when I saw my new salary, I was like, yo, your girl did it. <laughs> hey, she made it happen. Hey, this is uh, encouragement too for some listeners who, who think they either behind or they didn't go to college or they think that they think that the route that they took was not the proper route. Correct. You just told us she was a temp. She was a temp. I'm right. going to spill the beans. She worked up 
Like she shouldn't even be on the phone with me right now because I know I know how busy she is. She works directly under the chief operating officer for the entire Wells Fargo. Y'all know Wells Fargo. She worked her way from the temp spot to being an executive assistant in the office of the COO. So you got the CEO, the COO, CFO. That's how the, the structure works of a company. She went from nothing to something. She was, I was broke. Now I'm up all of a sudden. I was broke. I was broke. And, and, and it's funny because I'll never forget the day, like my career, like I've worked in like different departments there. But I remember as I progressed through my career, I remember having access to this, having access to that, different things like that. But the day that I got access to the executive suite, it was a surreal feeling because of the simple fact is, is that it wasn't by accident and it wasn't because I was meeting somebody. It was because mm -hmm. I was supposed to be there because I worked there. Because when I first started and we had an off, we had an offsite at one of the prestigious country clubs here, someone walked in the bathroom and asked me, and this was in 99, someone asked me about hand towels. Like I was supposed to be working in the restrooms in the country club. <laughs> so, well, so like, yo, I go from being asked about hand towels in a washroom to being on the top floor in one of the most prestigious banks in the United States. In the world. So, <laughs> you know, so I like, and so, and, 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 and along with me doing that, I've always had a desire. So this side, no God is nothing but in it. I've always had a desire to have my own businesses. So I'm 20 something years into event planning, never had to stop. Mm. I now design tennis shoes. That's another business. So not only am I working in a full-time career, I'm a mother. I have two businesses about to launch a third business. So like you can't limit yourself. You have, but you also have to pray daily. You also have to ask for guidance because when we try to do it ourselves, it never works. It does not work out. It may be temporary, but it doesn't work. And that's in relationships, that's in parenting, that's in working, that's in whatever you do. You have to allow God to, to guide you and you have to allow to adhere to what he's saying to you. Because if you don't, you make a mess out of it. And this is how so many things fail. We try to do it ourselves and it never works. Never works. So I, I, I really want to tell, you know, our listening audience out there, when you put God first, there's nothing you cannot accomplish. Nothing. There's Real nothing. talk. Real, Real talk. talk. The Bible tells us, trust in the Lord all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. That's Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. That's right. That's you right. Gotta, you got to put him first, though. He said, he say if you make your, if you commit your plans to him, uh -huh. he going he to let it be known. He going to make sure it happens if it's in his will. Now, that's the thing. You got to decipher you got to understand that 
His will got to come before your will. Now, your will can come. It can, but it cannot be before it ain't God. Last. It's not going to last. It's not. It's not going to last. And I also, I don't know how many religion, how many people are in religion in our listening audience, and I don't know, but I do know that also they need to go and read the entire Thai scripture. Don't read part of it. In a lot of our black churches, we read that one little section about oh, Malachi. Malachi about <laughs> bring your tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse. They, stop, they stop at that, they stop at that little paragraph, but there is a longer, a longer uh, text that will explain to you, and you're not paying your tithes, you're bringing your tithes. You're bringing your tithes. And that's a very important part. And it's not, when they say that you have so many blessings, like you have so many blessings, you don't have room to receive them. It doesn't mean, and when they say that, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm gonna get this most expensive car and I'm gonna get this most expensive house. Blessings come in all forms, shapes and sizes. Blessings are having children who are obedient, that don't give you any problems that, you know, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. A blessing is being able to, for instance, this was a blessing to someone else, but I was able to bless somebody else. My daughter and I, we live right next door to a school and I got a door, knock at our doorbell and it was a parent. And she was like, have you seen my son? And I was like, I don't even know who your son is. And she said, well, I have a son that has Down syndrome and I left him in the back of the car to get my daughter from school and he's gone. What? And I, as a mother, instantly started praying. Like there was no room for me to think about anything else. I started praying for this child and mother that I didn't even know. And Harlem comes out the house and says, mom, I think I might know where he went. And he didn't even have shoes on his feet. We're in the winter. And she takes the mother over to the school and shows him where she think the kid might have went on the playground. And I'm driving my car around the neighborhood and we connect these two together. We didn't know these people. That's a blessing to mm -hmm. be able to help somebody else like that. That's a, and I go to sleep every night wondering if that had been my child, what would I have done? Would somebody have helped me? So blessings are not just materialistic things. Blessings come in all shapes, form. Everybody's getting Corona two and a half years later. We don't have Corona. That's a blessing. But your blessings, you have to be worthy of your blessings. You have to be worthy of them. And you might get blessed just because your grandmother did something. Exactly. Your, somebody in your family prayed. Generations. And not a lot of people know, and I think you might know, um, but only my church folks know, my grandfather was the bishop of our church for 31 years. Oh, wow. So I have a minister who constantly, he talks to me on and on, on and off some, and he says, Kim, he says to me all the time, he says, Kim, you don't realize that you're favored because of who you are and who you belong to and who your grandfather was, you are favored. You may not realize it, but you're favored in blessings. But that doesn't mean that I still have to be worthy of those blessings. 
And I still have to do what I'm supposed to do to reap those blessings. But it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Say give and it should be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, runneth over. Me ain't going to give it to your bosom. That's right. That's it right there. That means we can't even worry about like so many people always worried about what they're going to get from somebody for giving somebody something. The text say give and it should be given unto you. And he's not just talking about money. When you give, you give freely. You give from your heart. And it's not money. It could be a kind word, just saying something to a kind word and helping somebody out. It, it, it goes a long way. You know, when you when you give, give freely. I've had individuals that I've given literally my shirt off my back for. Mm. Right? And that may have been 10 years ago and I've never even seen them again, but I don't regret giving them my shirt off my back. I don't regret it because that, that was truly from the heart. God spoke to me and said, help that person out. And I did. But sure. I guarantee you, I guarantee you my blessings outweigh any salary that anybody could ever give me to pay any bills in this house. <laughs> Kim, Kim went and got a new career. I, I, I'm going. I'm about to go to Kim House. Yeah, Charlotte. I'm about to go to Kim House. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm outside the house. She say, you ain't outside my house. <laughs> oh, you at the other house? Mm-hmm. She don't went and got a new house, Amy. <laughs> she, <laughs> she went and got a new crib. She's like, and, yeah, they, I got a deal on this crib. And see, that's the thing. Like everybody thought because I had a really small little 1700 foot, 1700 square foot house. They was like, Kim, you need a bigger house. Kim, you need this. No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm blessed to have what I got. I'm good. I'm comfortable. But when God saw fit for me to get this house that I'm in now, I had zero. I mean, it just like, it just happened. That's when you know you're reaping your blessings. Mm. It just happens. I don't know how. I wasn't in the market of looking for a house. I wasn't trying to buy a house. Like none of those things. Did you say I somebody just called you, you said I got a house? You I, a real and I got hooked up with a realtor who has become my friend and we're friends for life now. And, and, and things just happen like that. So you don't have to force anything. You don't have to, you don't have to do all this craziness and go out your way and because. God will give you the desires of your heart, but I still say, even though he's going to give you the desires of your heart, you have to be worthy of those blessings. You can't walk around here and talk about your sister and brother. You can't go around here and down and look down your nose because they're not as fortunate as you. You can't. And I teach my daughter that every single day. And people know my daughter is so outspoken. She's so true. She's so like, and, and, and she fits her name perfectly, Harlem. She's that Renaissance girl. She's that, she's, she's Harlem, New York all the way. Hard and funny. <laughs> she is. But I tell her every day, you don't know what it took for your mom to get where she is. And you don't take these days for granted. Mm-hmm. None of this belongs to you. This all belongs to me. I work hard for this. The only thing I'm supposed to supply you with is a roof over your head <laughs> and clothes on your back. Everything else is extra. You wear designer stuff because God has allowed me to give you. But don't forget, we'll go into Walmart and buy a pair of pants in a heartbeat. 
in a heartbeat. As a matter of fact, no more designer clothes so you stop growing because you're growing too fast. There are kids out there that don't know, you know, and then I had to like check my daughter because sometimes she'd be like, oh, well, you don't know. That's not common to everybody. You have to be kind. You have to be gentle. You have to understand. If somebody doesn't know anything, you help them. She came home one day last night and she was, I mean, another night and she was like, um, mom, the whole class got to suffer because little Johnny over there don't know his sight words. And I and she's like, she she's getting all in her feelings about it. I'm like, that's not how you're supposed to do. And she said, what am I supposed to do, mom? And I said, how about you go whisper in his ear and tell him to give you his phone number and you call him after school and you say, yo, look, I need to help you. I need to help you bring you up to speed. So what is it that you don't know so I can teach you or I can help you learn so you can be like everybody else? That's what you do. You don't go and talk about that kid like everybody else in the class. You go and you help this kid come up to the speed that he needs to be at. That's what you do. And see, that if more parents would do that, we would have such a better generation of kids growing up. Right now, the best thing that they could do is take these kids and put them in uniforms in school. Mm. Nobody's competing about tennis shoes and, and, and polo shirts and hoodies and all that stuff. Because they're not learning the value of real life. They all- Everything material. Everybody's materialistic. Yeah, I got a Gucci yeah. hat on. Do you know how long it took me to get this Gucci hat? And I put it on because I ain't want y'all to see me looking like I've been home for two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I work hard. I earned it. And I don't go out and spend $200 on a hat. I save for the hat. You see what I'm saying? Like, you don't make $500 and spend $250. That don't make sense. That don't make sense. If you're going to spend $250, I hope it's $250 that you feeding the homeless. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. Take that and feed, get some socks and some toothpaste to help other people out who's less fortunate. We go into a supermarket and we just grab whatever toothpaste we want. We don't even look at the price of it. We just put it in the cart. I looked at the price of toothpaste the other day. It's $4.79. One tube. So... We got to remember, we got to remember that everybody's not going to be as fortunate, but you also don't have to be stagnant. You grab onto these coattails of individuals that have the knowledge and the understanding that could pass the jewels on to you, then you could pass on to somebody else. So once you get there, don't stop, like help somebody else get there. That's what generational blessings are. Help the next person get there. Don't just say okay I got it you know and that's one of the things that my next my next um chapter I'm going to try to help people understand that you just don't apply for this job and be content with it mm. you you apply for the job you earn the job you get the job then once you get the job you help somebody else get the job so you pass down what you've learned to help that next person coming behind you reach down and help somebody else out. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. God of a cheerful giver. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, we we really got to start paying attention to that. Like 
and it's funny though because like you said bring the tiles to the storehouse the reason why it's set up like this and it's funny because i got this revelation without even like i read i read i grew up in the church but i had my own interpretation of a lot of things okay based on what i heard or whatever you feel me Everybody, okay. my family, preachers, whatever. But I'm listening to my own thing. Walk around arrogant because I grew up in it. Like you feel me? They say you got the annoying. Yeah, so I'm 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 arrogant. Walk around, I think I know everything. Didn't even know it. I went to this church in Fort Lauderdale, and they when they take offering, they don't take it. They have booths set up in the back of the church that when you leave, it's integrity thing. We ain't about to ask you for the money. It's integrity thing. Mm-hmm. But then they was talking about one day he was talking about thank y'all for what y'all do because we was able to I think they had bought a I, don't, I think they bought a school or something mm-hmm. in a different country okay and they said that all of your ties and offering that you've been given for the past year has went towards doing X Y and Z in this country mm-hmm. and it hit me like wait so. We supposed to be giving our tithes and our offering so that people don't go through things. So if we do what we supposed to do and not complain about it, people could just come to the church for stuff. And that's how it's supposed to be set up. And this is before I, I read the whole Bible front to back twice now. So then once I read it in here, I'm like, oh, so it was set up like this the entire time. So next time you think that, yeah, you can give to charity, but you make sure make sure you get a God too, because it's set up for God to take care of us. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? Like God's supposed to take care of us. We supposed to be relying on God. And mm-hmm. Acts, in the book of Acts, they all gave, when they came together at Pentecost, they all gave whatever they had to Peter and them. You feel me? Now some, some, you got the different, you know, <laughs> you ain't about to talk about that, but that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be being able to give what we have to the person in charge, to the man of God, to the woman of God, and divide it up. Peter and them, they made sure everybody had. They said nobody lacked. They said they had some poor, some rich. Everybody gave all they had. It was so deep that it was a husband and a wife. They was rich. And they sold everything except for some land that they had. And Peter called them up to the stage, coming to the stage. Hey, X, Y, Z, you feel me? So Holy Ghost tell him, like, he ain't give everything. Everybody here that gave, it's multitude of people. Thousands thousands of people that gave everything they had. Everybody on the same level. We all eat the same food. We all probably wearing the same sweats. You feel me? We all live in a little hut. We done built the huts. We just right. make sure we all coming together, giving our life to God. These people, they kept their land because they probably thought they was going to do something later. Mm-hmm. They come to the front. He said, why you ain't give your land? Holy Ghost tell him. He said, why you ain't give your land up? He said, I did. He said, oh, you did? <laughs> Rock dead. Because he didn't give it up. Because he lied. He dropped dead. <laughs> and then his wife, she knew. He act, they gave the wife an ample time to, to tell the truth. She told the truth though. They was like, did you uh what's the name? Did you uh, no, did she lie or did she lie? I don't I don't remember whether she told I, me. I'm gonna read, read. I should know that, but whatever happened, she dropped dead too. So even but if she did tell the truth, she dropped dead. 
That's the thing, but she knew it then and she didn't do anything about it. But this is my thing. And you got to understand it's the same. It happens the same way now. It happens the same way. You got an individual who know the way, just don't want to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And every time you turn around, they say, I don't have no money. You say, you want to go to dinner? I don't have no money. You want to do this? I don't have no money. Um, Man, my car just broke down. Didn't you just get it fixed last week? Yeah, but it's broke again. Are you paying your tithes? Are you bringing your tithes? Are you are you paying God? Man, for- man, man. If you- like you got to do that because if you if you pay God before you pay yourself, imagine what gonna happen. He gonna make sure you have. He gonna make sure you have. I promise you. It's some days I'd be like. I don't know where I'm getting this from. A man of God told me what he do is he said, and however he needs something, he called another man. He called his man of God. He called his pastor and say, hey, I'm about to send you a thousand dollars. I'm about to send you ten thousand dollars. I'm about to send you twenty thousand dollars. Hey, what's your cash? At? I'm about to empty my bank account because they're like, what, what you giving me money for? I need a, I need something from God. <laughs> Wait a minute. You got I got I got to bring my daughter in so she can tell you about parentize. This is going to be fun. Oh, she parentize? Oh, she parentize. Harlem. Harlem. Come here for a minute, baby. Y'all about to be Harlem. And Harlem it, so I'm, I'm just trying to tell you that when the young people know about it, it, it there's no reason why older our older generation don't know. And I'm going to introduce y'all to Harlem now. Let me tell you something. When Harlem wants something, Harlem, come here for a minute, baby. Come over on this side. This is my baby Harlow. Harlow, tell people what happens when you pay your tithes. Oh, I get McDonald's like <laughs> the next day. So she say, I'm gonna pay my tithes. I'm gonna get McDonald's. I want McDonald's. She's like, God, I want McDonald's. Can I get McDonald's for lunch? She paid them tithes on Sunday. Somehow she get that McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, so what so you tell me the last time? The part. So what did you tell me the last time we was in church? You're going to start paying your tithes because... So I can get food for school. <laughs> so she can get what? So she can continue to get food for school. And <laughs> then when she get food, she shared with the class. You understand what I'm saying? Like, she's not even trying to be selfish about it. And uh, I'm always I'm always the kind of mother that be like, I'm not bringing no food to the school. I'm not doing X, Y, Z. Like, you don't need that. And it... I'm sitting here one day. I just jump up and go to McDonald's. It just moved on me. And I spent $35 buying lunch for the hot water. It moved you. Right. But you see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I had no intentions of going to school and spend that kind of money because I don't like I don't like for her to feel privileged. You understand what I'm saying? I don't like for her to feel like, oh, I got this, that, and other. And then the kids, you know, we laying on her because then that sends mixed signals with the kids. Like, oh, Harlem got, then they start using, you know, stuff like that. But Harlem got good sense. Harlem pay her tithes on Sundays, and Harlem be like, you know what? I gotta start asking God for stuff, and I so I know I gotta pay him. But if a kid can figure that that formula out, why adults can't figure it out? So her wants are not as um, how can I say? It? Her wants are not as extensive as ours are. But a kid got enough sense to know if she pay her tithes, she gonna be blessed with her heart's desire. Mm. Simple as that. Simple as that. Mm. So God, so thank you, baby. I just wanted to, I just want to make people laugh for a minute. <laughs> but train up a child in the way you should go, and we need absolutely. all he won't depart. 
Absolutely. She know how to fill out her own ties envelope. She get in the ties line and she she wants to Yeah, you got it. But you got it. You have to instill that in these kids now because it's so much going on in the world. You understand what I'm saying? It's just so much going on in the world. How are we going to protect our kids? We can't be with them every day, all day long. Something got to protect them out here in school. That's so what we got to be. What do you say? And my people, they call by my name, and humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways and pray. Absolutely. I'll listen to their prayers. Mm -hmm. I'll yeah. listen to them. And they took all the prayer out of school. They took all of the, all anything religious, anything with the flag, anything with all this. They took all this stuff out of, out of the schools. And how you think our kids supposed to be? How you think they supposed to be? And then the first thing you say is, these kids are terrible. Of course. Y'all done, done took all the morals, all of the, y'all done just, just wiped the slate clean. And so now the parents, which we should be more involved and more active in teaching them the way and, and bring, even if you don't go into a physical church, at least sit your kids down at the table and explain to them and give them good morals and good values and how to treat their neighbors and how to treat other kids. You know, it's our responsibility as parents, as parents to do that. The minute that younger girls my age and the next generation under started having kids the world went into total chaos <laughs> chaos why because kids are raising kids they don't know the way because they done strayed away from the home they doing whatever they want to do and now you got all of this like turmoil in the world y'all wondering why we going through it earth is groaning y'all did it y'all did it so now people like you, me, and all of us, we gotta, we gotta like, we gotta like try to like intervene. We gotta try to let our light shine. And that's what it's all about. Let your light shine. That was one of the main reasons why I wrote the uh reset. Like God moved on me. Mm -hmm. And I was working on something completely, I swear to you, I was working on something completely different. I was, I was about to do something. I thought it was about to be epic. You feel me? I was like, I was right. taking notes for it. I was doing all this different stuff. And then right. my father, and my father had his accident. Father had three brain surgeries, two months. I'm like, whoa. Right. Then I had to, I'm working. I'm trying to balance work. And I told him like, look, I'm FMLA. Like it's over with. Like I apologize. Right. And sat me down. I sat this. I was forced to sit down. My father in the hospital. I'm going back and forth, this and the third. And right. Tell me, like, if you uh if you take this many days off, we can't, we only can pay you for X amount. I'm like, uh. Mm. Uh-huh. So I make a choice. And it was like a nah, I'm gonna choose my father, I'm gonna choose my family, I'm gonna choose my my right. my I'm gonna choose what we what I got going. I'm gonna just I'm depend on god i had all this other stuff going on i had bills because i had started i had started another business mm -hmm. I, got, I got i got to keep everything going but i'm like i'm gonna trust in god you feel mm -hmm. me then i was fasting every month for three days from i think i he god had me start doing that and like i don't know i think it was i don't know it was like june or july yeah because it was, it was it was june 
because I ended up doing seven months. June on, I'm three days a month, three days a month. And one of them days was like, everybody needs a reset. Everybody needs to do this. Everybody needs a time where they need to reset their mind. They need mm-hmm. to reset what they got going on. Focus on what actually matters. Yep. And redefine what God created them for. What is your purpose? Everybody got a purpose. I got a purpose. You got a purpose. My mama got a purpose. My father got a purpose. Everybody, my, every, we all got a purpose. And each and every last one of us is assigned to a different group of people, a group, different purpose, me, a different person. But if we not, if we too busy running around trying to make ends meet, trying to make other people happy, trying to make ourselves happy, stressing ourselves out now we instead of praying we going to drink instead of uh instead of waiting on god we smoking because we got anxiety instead of uh waiting on our spouse they going to do it to every single person because you just want some affection you can't control your body all because you need you need to sit down reset redefine why you here because you that's what we, that's not what you was created for. I can't wait to get my copy. I tell you, when I got the link for your book, I immediately, like literally, I clicked the link and ordered, ordered my book because I can't wait to read it. And um, and and it's true you said that. And, and it's I, I really, really want to read it now because you've seen me in the last what's about eight years now, right? It's been about eight years. We've known each other about eight years. And you've seen the different things I've been through and you've seen my different relationships or whatever. And I promise you, I promise you, it's crazy because like there was like, I I would smoke, I smoke every now and then or whatever. And that was fine. That wasn't me. So I didn't do it anymore. Then I, I drink, I drink like sociably with my friends and stuff like that. And I like a good cocktail. I got a brand new machine downstairs that I've had for months that I haven't even opened the barista machine. I have it downstairs, haven't even opened the box, but guess why? Because I don't even have a desire to really drink because one day I woke up and I was like, you know what? I got enough of this. I've helped so many people build their businesses. I've helped, I've helped individuals build on four in the last four years, four businesses mm. that I have no tie to, like I'm not getting any money, a clothing business, a funeral home, a, a musical career. Like I've helped them build and it didn't cost them a dime. Mm. I put my resources with their resources and we build together. But at the end of the day, Kim stills walking away from the table with nothing. Mm. And these were relationships. And so I had to reset. And I was like, you know what, God, I had enough. I can't do it no more. This is not me. I don't want the desire to want these men. I don't want the desire to do this, this free will stuff no more. I just can't. Like, I need you to just like take it away. And that's what he did. That's what he did. He took it away. Took all the desires of all of this stuff that was weighing me down. Just weighing. Like, I felt heavy all the time. I felt stuffed. I felt, you know, I've lost. I lost all the weight I needed. I feel good. I move freely. 
I'm in a new relationship, somebody that has invested in me this time. Like I'm not invested in them and stuff like that. Somebody get married, y'all. and it happened just like that you understand what i'm saying like it but i had to i had to get to that point couldn't take the weight any longer and depend on god to do it for me i just could not do it i just couldn't do and you can't do it naturally you gotta let god in your life and let him move the way that he needs to move and stop trying to fix it Mm -hmm. and there's no way around it there's no way I've seen you evolve. I've seen you evolve from this young, this young dude, like all over the place, wanted to be oh, a child. Wow. He wanted to be over. He was walling out the music. Wow. And it was like, and I and I and I was like, I don't care what. Like, I see the potential in, in Lamont. I know what Lamont could be. I am going to invest in Lamont. And I tell everybody, everybody knows about you. Like, whether you met them or not, everybody knows about Lamont. Because I've seen your growth. I've seen what you're capable of doing. And I have never been more prouder than it. It's almost like you're my son. I'm so proud of you. I'm so, so proud of you because I've seen you evolve and I've seen the different things that you've had to go through. And I've seen you stressed and I've seen you just wilding out. And I've, you know, I've, I've been there. I've seen all of that. And where you are right now, I am just so freaking proud of the way that you have evolved into this young man that you are. And the best thing you could have done was to go home and put family first because family, and and that's another thing about my fiance, he has taught me about the first ministry and the first ministry is family. Everything else falls in place afterwards, but your first ministry is your family. And I love it. I love it. I'm learning as I go. Because even though my, my grandfather was the bishop, when, when, you, when you're that close to someone who is that spiritual, you seem to be on the more human side than the spiritual side. Mm. And so now, if I'm wrong, he tells me I'm wrong. And he'll go to the Bible and tell me where I'm wrong. And that's what you need. You don't need somebody that's going to be like, oh, Kim is this strong, black, intelligent lady. She got it going on. She don't need help. She don't need guidance. She can do this. She can do that. No, he don't care nothing about all that. (laughs) He don't care nothing about all that. He wants me to be the best human being that I can be and spiritually grounded. And yo, you remember when you first met me, I dropped F-bombs like crazy. (laughs) I don't think I've dropped one tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So we got a swear jar here, like a cuss jar. Hey, let's go. I'm trying to tell you, he made me put a cuss jar here and it's like $300 in there. We just started in December. And so, no, November, we started November and it's so much money in the jar because every time I say a word, I got to give up $5. Mm. So I don't even have a desire to really talk like that no more. And so all of that money that we're saving, we're going to give to somebody that needs it. So we still helping somebody else out. So, you know, I just want people to be the best that they can be, right? And get help, get resources. It's okay. It's okay to have mentors and and therapists. Like we like in our our generation, everybody thinks that it's taboo to have a therapist. You gotta have somebody to talk to. Somebody to talk to. And I'm gonna tell you, the most the 
the best thing and and i've never really wanted anything in life like i because i always work hard to get it like i knew my dad and my mom they did a lot of things that i wasn't proud of and i those were the things that made me be this person i am now because i refused to go down that path right mm-hmm. and out of all the years all the individuals in my life I've never really told people what I wanted for like Christmas or birthday or anything. And I told Antonio, I said, you know, babe, I said, I really don't need anything. I don't want anything. I said, no, it's one thing I do want. And he was like, what? And I said, I need these earrings by LL Cool J's wife. Simone has an an earring line. And he was like, what? (laughs) He was like, that's, and I was like, no, seriously, I want these earrings by Simone Smith, right? And these earrings right here, let me tell y'all something. I, if I don't even wear them, I put them on my nightstand. You see what that says? Bless. That's it. Hey, Amen. That's all I wanted. That's a highly favorite, Kim. So I wanted to let everybody know how blessed I was. And I and I hope I helped somebody tonight. I really do. No, nah, you helped us out a lot. You, you, was, you kept it real. What did you tell us how it worked? You told yeah. us how you can go from nothing to something if you trust in God, because we didn't even get to talk about the challenges. I know you ran into some challenges. I know you ran into some roadblocks. I know Absolutely. you was at them point in time. You like, look, God, hey, you don't get get this person or if you don't change it, I'm going to change it. Oh, you yeah. I, I oh, seen oh, a little, God. you said your daughter be on TikTok. I seen a thing on TikTok one day. It was like, <laughs> God, I'm going to need you to change this. Because if I had to change it. <laughs> like, I have been on a job and like totally blanked out and lost it because somebody had like really taken me there. And knowing I need this job, knowing I can't afford to lose no job, like I ain't always been like this now. Let's let's be real. But I've thrown a phone across the desk and broke it. To try not to to physically choke somebody. <laughs> you was in there with the traders. Where hey, no lie, where she was at though is like Wolf of Wall Street, though. Like right, right, right. So yeah, it's challenges. Like, don't get me wrong. It's been times I went and sat in my car and cried, you know, but you can't let them see you cry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been days that it's like, oh my God, like everything's coming at you all at once, and it's nothing you could do about it. And you feel like you're a failure and you feel like you're just not. Like, oh, my God, am I going to lose my job? I'm going to get written up because I, I just can't handle the volume. And you go downstairs, you cry, you wipe your face off, come up in there, wipe, go in the bathroom, wipe your face off and act like ain't nothing happened. And you know, I'm, so there are challenges. There was there was times where my when my ex-husband left and cut off all electricity and cut off everything. And I still had to raise a, a one and a half year old. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so there everything ain't been gravy. Now, don't get me wrong. There, if we could talk about this another day, the challenges, the challenges of, and um, so yeah, it's been challenges trying to convince the people that the electric company that it's a snowstorm in Charlotte and you got a one and a half year old in the house and your husband bitter and don't know why he bitter, he just gone. <laughs> like, turn, turn the electric back on, <laughs> you know, just praying that you get somebody with a little sympathy, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's gonna be like, oh, well, maybe. Let me see what I can do. Let me see if I can give you another day to pay it or, you know, something like, yeah, yeah. What about when you don't even get a paycheck because payroll acted up and you don't have no money. 
<laughs> no money. So yeah, it's been it's been some challenging some challenging times, but I just encourage people to read their Bible, stay true to God, and when you when you put God first, it's not gonna say the things ain't gonna happen, but it sure make it a lot easier to get through them. That's for sure. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. He ain't say the weapon won't form. He just said it won't prosper. Prosper. Won't prosper. So. Amen. Appreciate you, Kim. I appreciate you a lot. Gave us some of that wisdom. Slid it off on us. It rubbed off on me a little bit. <laughs> Anytime, baby. But listen, appreciate I hope the next time I come, I can I can introduce y'all to my new my new platform, the virtual assistant. It's oh, it's coming. Wonder who gave me that idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, let's go. We're going to do it in person next time. Sounds good. I, I'm looking forward. I'm willing to travel if you need me to. Hey, man, I appreciate it. You already know we're going we gonna to have to. I'm believing in God. I believe God. What do you say? I believe God. We're going to yep. have a jet. We're going to have a jet go come get you. Yep. God is my source on it. God is my source on the jet. We're going to put it out there in the atmosphere. It's going to happen. Hey, be it under me. Appreciate it, Kim. Absolutely. You've been talking to us. I want to see it. Can you pray us out? I sure will. So, God, we thank you for this wonderful podcast that we did tonight. We thank you for all the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you for our family. We thank you for just being a midst of this terrible, terrible world. We ask you to continue to keep our family in covered under your arm in your prayers for more health, prosperity, and to help these children of the world to get through this this pandemic that we're going through they're innocent god and we ask you to just keep your loving arms and protection around our children as we walk our daily lives we say these prayers through your name through jesus christ amen amen i hope that sit well in y'all soul hope y'all learned something hope it got y'all through something whatever y'all going through just know you trust in god you're gonna get through he said the weapon will not prosper. You say it won't go form. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You say it won't go form. No, just trust in God. Just know everything. Everything in life is a season. We learned that from Miss Kim Brown today. Everything in life is a season. You can go. You can be in at the bottom today, and then next day you in the executive suite. You can be at the bottom today. Next thing you know, you in the country club mingling with the with them folks. You feel what I'm saying? Right. Just understand. Just trust God and everything. Everybody not going to have the same testimony. Everybody's just going to be different. But just know that your testimony is going to show you who God is. And Amen. that's why you're going through it. Appreciate y'all for logging on. God is my source podcast. We bridge the gap between God, money, health, family, and relationships. We keep it transparent. Keep it real. We don't act like we holier than nobody else. But we do root everything back to the word of God because the word is truth. His word is bond. He not like a man that he should lie. Son of man, he shall repent. So I appreciate y'all. We logging off. See y'all next time. Peace.